What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Batflip Podcast. I'm Damien, and I'm back with my co-host, Matt. How you doing, Matt? Pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. You know, just trying to stay uh, stay safe with all those fires going on in California. The air has been really bad right now. And uh, how's your recovery from COVID going? It's going very good. Um, I'm feeling pretty close to back to normal now. And um, it took about I had the, the first few days I had that fever last weekend, then this week, um, took, you know, the first half of the week for me to really start feeling a lot better, but I, I feel pretty much back to normal now. So appreciate you asking. Well, that's very, very good to hear. Yeah. Um, we got, we got about four or five topics we want to hit on today outside of our standings and our players of the week. Um, not too much of an eventful week in baseball, but we're starting to, uh, starting to wind down in the season. I think I saw a thing today that we only have 16 actual days left of the regular season. Um, so it, these races, you know, by the time we get our next episode and everything, the races are going to be so tight. We're going to be looking at pretty much our, our playoff breakdown, but, uh, let's just jump right into these standings right now. Um, with the AL East, we got Tampa Bay, um, you know, three and a half games up. They've been five and five, um, out of their last 10, really starting to separate themselves, um, as, as the AL East division champion is going to look like. Yeah. The, the Rays are, um, you know, they look to be the definite front runner there um i also you know we're getting close we're starting to start to look at some of the uh, magic numbers and um which basically the magic number for those of you that don't know is the amount of games that if you add up your wins and a team's and another team's losses the amount of games that that adds up there is the is your magic number to eliminate that team from having a better record than you so right now the magic number for the rays over the blue jays who are actually in second place is 11 and their magic number over the Yankees is 10. So the, the Rays, a combination of Rays wins and, and 11, 11 Rays wins and Blue Jays losses, that combination would put the Rays in as the, um, as the uh, champion of the AL East, which is pretty surprising. I think most people had the Yankees winning that division. So uh, good for the Rays. That, that lowest payroll in baseball, I believe. If, if not the lowest, it's one of the lowest. Um, good for them on you know, being able to hang in there and take advantage of some of the Yankees injuries this year to, you know, lead that division with just a couple weeks left. Yeah. And Toronto, you know, Toronto's really holding their own right now. Um, going six and four, um, you know, they've popped the Yankees now in the standings, albeit only by a half game. Um, but they've been playing some really good baseball while the Yankees have, have really started to struggle more and more. Um, you know, they've only played 500 this week. They should be getting, uh, Aaron Judge and Stanton back, I believe they said next weekend, um, maybe maybe a little bit before then, but they're progressing. They really need them back. Um, Paxton doesn't look like he's going to be back. He, uh, I saw he had some stiffness after his latest uh, throwing program routine, so they've shut him back down. Um, so the Yankees right now looking at, you know, I think we were talking earlier, they're right around that number eight seed in the playoffs right now. Yeah. Yeah, in fact, as if the season ended today, they would be the eighth seed. Um, but they also do have a two-and-a-half game lead over the Mariners, who are surprisingly the first team out right now. So, um, And none of the teams in the outside of that top eight really strike fear into the Yankees at all. I mean, probably the closest thing to it would honestly be the Angels, who are four games back. But, um, I mean, that's, that's going to be a tough one to overcome there. So... Um, I think we're, we're pretty much going to have the, I think, I think the teams that are currently in the AL playoffs right now, um, are going to be the teams that you see in the postseason. Um, I don't think you're going to see too many, too many changes there. Um, I think that you will see the, um, I think you're going to see some of, some of the, uh, seeding bounce around a little bit, but, um, but Hey, um, you know, it's going to come down to the wire. So um, in, in the AL, uh, when, when it comes to some of these divisions and everything, it'll be good. Yeah. And I mean, um, you know, jumping over to the AL Central, we sitting here today, though, it is by only half a game as well. But the Chicago White Sox, who we've had much conversation about on this, uh, this podcast, they're the number one overall seed in the American League. Um, you know, they've been on a hot streak. They're eight and two over their last 10. Uh, Minnesota's right there with them at eight and two over their last 10 as well. But I would say at this point in the season, the way Chicago has been playing that, you know, for them jumping up to that number one seed, 
uh, I don't think we, any of us saw that coming. Not at all. And um, the White Sox are, um, I don't know if they're going to be, I don't know if they're going to hold over the Twins. The Twins are only one game back. Um, they, they've also played two more games than the White Sox. Um, but with the Twins having recently got Josh Donaldson back, um, you know, I think the Twins probably have a, you know, have a pretty good chance to overtake the White Sox. Um, but either way, I mean, the way that the playoffs are set up for this for this season, um, it's going to be pretty difficult for either one of those teams to fall out of the playoffs or anything like that. So good for the, um, you know, good for the Twins um, or good for the White Sox to lead that division. And hey, they they could very well win that division, um, which is surprising to me. I think this would be their first playoff appearance since 2008. So. Yeah, and I know Minnesota also got um, Byron Buxton back this year, or not this year, this uh, this week. Um, and they had a big series against Cleveland, and I want to say that Minnesota took uh, two out of three from them or something, but Cleveland's fallen back to four and a half out of that division now. Um, really rough week. They're down at three and seven. Um, it just it just seems like ever since that trade deadline when they've got rid of, uh, you know, Clevenger and made that stuff, they just – it just seems like that team has kind of lost the confidence that they had and swagger that they had at the beginning of the season. Yeah. And, and Cleveland having not, you know, still, it's just like what five years in a row, they still haven't gotten an outfielder. So um, I know technically Josh Naylor is an outfielder, but he's not really an outfielder. He's um, maybe one of the worst defensive outfielders in baseball right now. So, um, well, same with Fran Mill as well. Yeah, Fran, Fran Mill's the same way. I mean, the, you you acquire you would think that they would acquire an outfielder who could somewhat play the outfield when they already have a DH, but instead they acquired, acquired a second DH to just throw out there. So um, that was some interesting decision-making there for the Indians. But, uh, yeah, I mean, four and a half games back in the division. they could. I mean, technically they could still sneak up there and, you know, get back in the division race. But um, they're, um, they're also, um, you know, it's going to take, take a lot to overcome four and a half games. And it's going to take a, you know, it's, it's going to take a very uh, – it's going to take some kind of collapse by the White Sox or in the Twins for that to happen. Because not only do they have to overtake one team that's more than three and a half games ahead of them, they're going to have to overtake two teams to get back on the top of that division. But they're also a, a pretty good team, and, you know, I, th- I think they'll be in the postseason. So. Yeah, they can get in the postseason. And, you know, with the way the postseason in this year, I mean, they can still make some noise. You know, if it's going to be two uh, – Best two out of three. Yeah, it's going to be game series. It's going to be very tough to face the Indians' rotation in two out of three. Yeah, give them. You know, if you throw Bieber, uh, Bieber Carrasco, Plesac, Plesac, Savali, like Tristan mm-hmm. McKenzie's been really good. I mean, uh, there's multiple guys in that rotation, and I do. I just would not want to face. So, whoever gets the Indians, it'll probably be you know White Sox or Rays. Um, whoever gets the Indians is in for a tough game or tough, tough three, three game series for sure. I would love just personally to see a Tampa Bay, uh, Cleveland series. You know, you give me a, a Bieber versus Snell and then, oh yeah. A, a Carrasco versus glass now. And Charlie then Charlie Morton versus Lee Sack or McKenzie or whoever they decide yeah. to throw. Yeah, I don't know who it would be. I mean, all three of those other options are really good. And I think it would probably be Plesak, Sack, but. Um, all three of those options are good. They have they have five real good rotation options in Cleveland, and that's after trading away a lot of guys. That's that's very, uh, you know, that's 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 very good. Right. Um, jumping over to the AL West, um, we got Oakland, who's you know six games up on Houston in this division. Uh, been six and four over their last ten. Um, Houston's really struggled two and eight. Uh, they had a big, huge comeback win last night. Um, which is Saturday uh, against Kenley Jansen and the Dodgers. They scored, I think it was four or five runs in the bottom of the ninth um, without even getting an out. Yeah. Kenley gave up like four runs without even getting an out. Um, and, and a lot of the pitches honestly were, they were good pitches. He just wasn't finishing, you know, finishing the, the plate appearances and putting them away. Yeah. They were getting some soft contact and then led to, another soft contact, which led them to a gap shot. And it was just a, you know, credit to Houston though. They really stayed in it. And, and that was a big game with everything. You know, it's their first trip back to Los Angeles since everything happened. Yeah. Um, but, you know, 
and with the news of Oakland losing a big star in Matt Chapman this week, who we'll uh, we'll hit on a little bit later, you know, it, Houston, if they could start hit their stride, you know, this turnaround series against the Dodgers, you know, it is only two games, but if they could do some, something like that, this could be a big thing for them to kind of get a monkey off their back, um, knowing that they had to face the Dodgers, especially in Los Angeles, even with no fans. Um, this is still a big series that it can turn around a lot of momentum for them. And we, like we said, it'll be hard for them to make up six games. But if there's a team that could do it, I wouldn't put it past the Houston Astros to be one of those guys. Yeah, and and Houston's pretty safe because while they are only two games ahead of the Mariners um, in the division for second place in the division, um, they currently have out of the eight playoff teams in the in the AL, they have the worst record out of the eight. But they they're also their competition right now is the Mariners, so and the Angels. So, I mean, they got four games up on the Angels, and they got two games on the Mariners. I don't really see, definitely don't see the Mariners having any shot at overtaking the Astros. Um, the Angels, if they got hot, they've got a little bit more talent than the Mariners, so I guess they could theoretically do it, but it's going to be really hard. Um, the Astros are going to be, you know, I think they're going to go as far as their pitching staff's going to take them, and through injuries and, you know, losing Garrett Cole in free agency, that pitching staff just doesn't quite scare you as much as they have in the past few years when they had Verlander and Garrett Cole. I mean, you've got a Lance McCullers, who's not quite as who's come back from injury pretty well, but he, he's not, you know, a shutdown starting pitcher. He's he's good. Um, but, I mean, really their only top starter right now is Zach Granke. So, um, you know, but outside of Granke, I mean, you got Valdez and you've got, you know, a couple of these other guys that I don't really think are too, too scary. You know, Urquidy or whatever his name is. and um, Yeah, I mean, you got some of these guys that aren't quite as scary. So I, I definitely am – thinking that uh, the Astros make it. I think the A's are probably going to, even without Matt Chapman, are probably going to, you know, continue to run away with the division just because, I mean, you know, we're, we're sitting here on two weeks left and it's a six-game lead. I mean, it's their magic number against the the Astros is currently nine games. So, um, you know, it doesn't take too many. I mean, you start you start having one day the Angels win, the, the uh, A's win and the Astros lose, and you knock two games off that number. So, um, right. It's it's going to be very very difficult for the it would take a collapse by the A's for the, for the Astros to come back and win that division. But yeah. um the interestingly enough and, and for the Astros as well their their home and away splits are very um very prevalent. 16 and 6 at home, 7 and 17 on the road, which is very uh very interesting. In fact, that whole division um the Angels 12 and 12 and 12 at home, 8 and 16 on the road. The Rangers, thirteen and thirteen at home. The seventeen and thirty Rangers actually are five hundred at home. They're four and seventeen on the road. Um, it's a very, uh, you know, it's very interesting. Is a lot like a, you know, in a lot of places. There's a few teams like like the Twins that also have pretty dramatic splits there, but most places it's been fairly even. Um, it know, almost makes you think splits. of with uh, everything going on in Houston that they're still that good at home. Kind of makes you think of something. Bang, yeah. Bang. Uh, I'm just messing. It's just funny. Yeah, to but, say. Oh, but yeah, it's, but... It's, it's really interesting if you look at their, you know, above 500. Even they're six and 13 against teams with a, a over 500 record. Yeah, you know, and, and that, of course, when you play in the AL West, that you don't get that many opportunities to play good teams. So yeah. <laughs> you're playing mostly the Mariners, the Angels, and the Rangers who. The Rangers are horrible, and then the the Mariners are pretty bad, and the Angels are the Angels. So, um, you know, they have some talented guys, but they also have Albert Pujols to clean up every day, who did hit a home run tonight. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But yeah, it was a very historic home run. Yes, very um, much so. But like we said, we'll hit on that a little bit later. We'll keep on moving. Jump over to the NL East now. Um, with your Atlanta Braves, kind of starting to separate a little bit more in this division. Um, I know they've had a couple a uh, couple big players this week with some big games. Yeah, um, yeah, they, the, the Braves have three guys at the top of their order with a an OPS over a thousand, um, and the offense has just been absolutely going crazy in the last couple weeks. Um, you know, they had that they had a twenty nine run game the other day um, against the the second place Marlins, where they they actually scored they scored twenty nine runs, which is the National League record. Um, or at least the nationally modern modern era record, um, 
the uh, the offense just clicking. I mean, you've got guys like Adam Duvall hit a second three home run game in a week. Um, it, just absolutely insanely good in that and uh the starting pitching's actually starting to turn a corner a little bit um the braves are getting back cole hamels this week and make his debut i believe on wednesday which is very interesting um cole hamels the guy that they signed in free agency on a one-year on a big one-year deal um and uh, hey you know he was going to be hurt at the start of the season and he never recovered until the the you know the restart at, with the covid restart and then um you know after Almost, it's almost midway through September. Finally, Cole Hamels is going to pitch in a Braves uniform for the first time on Wednesday. So um, that's that'll be a big boost to get a veteran guy back, even if he's not quite to a hundred percent pitch count yet, where he, they might limit him to three or four innings for a couple starts. Uh, but just getting him back for a postseason series would be great. And then uh, Ian Anderson pitched a fantastic game against the Nationals the other day. Uh, Kyle Wright actually pitched a half decent game today. Um, had some. He, he did give up three earned runs. He had some really bad luck giving up the three earned runs on some uh, defensive. We'll just call them misplays. Um, <laughs> they weren't. They weren't technically error. You know, if it's an earned run, of course. But some misplays that. Uh, the bullpen for the Braves has been good. Um, it, it's, you know, it, it looks to me like they've started to kind of play. Uh, it's starting to come together a little bit. They get Max Freed back on, on Thursday. Um, so, you know, this is a team that is starting to put it together a little bit when it comes to the starting pitching to go along with their already fantastic lineup and bullpen. So, um, that, yeah, it's been an encouraging it, week. I found it pretty fascinating that the – really the time that this offense kind of made, um, you know, their turnaround in this big run is right around the time that Ozzy Albies really came back. Um, it, I, it could just be something that is a coincidence that happened, or it could be something that, you know, not only is, is he another guy who gives you really professional at bats at the plate, but another just morale boost to have him, you know, back out there. And, and you know, he's one of the, the most, uh, He's one of the favorite players on that team. I just see by his personality that everybody loves him. So maybe that's just a big jolt for yeah. that team to get him back. Yeah. Well, well, not only not not only is it a jolt for the team chemistry wise and everything, it's also a jolt in the lineup because you already had a great lineup. And of course, there were a couple other lineup changes the Braves made that putting their best hitters one, two, three, um, which is something that you see a lot more around the game recently, which is a good thing, I, I think. To you know. Because Dan, as good as Dansby Swanson's been this year, you know there were a lot of times you were having him up instead of Freddie Freeman in a in a big situation. Which, you know, no offense to Dansby because he's had a really good year, but you know you, you want Freddie Freeman up. <laughs> so, um, who's honestly rate wise is having one of the best seasons of his career, which is crazy. But um, you've got um, but Ozzy Albies. I mean, you're you're looking at a guy he's replacing, you know, a platoon of Adani Hechevaria, Johan Camargo, who you know, regardless of what Ozzy brings to the table in, in confidence for the players, for the team, getting a jolt, getting some energy with him back in there. I mean, he's just a better player. I mean, you're talking about a, a, a journeyman bitch guy in, in Hechevaria and a guy who's really not been very good the last couple of years in Camargo. So um, the only hole in the Braves lineup is filled by a guy who's an all-star caliber second baseman. So, uh, you know, that's a big, uh, you know, that's a, that was a big game for the Braves getting Ozzy Albies back. And he's playing pretty well, too. He's had a couple home runs this week. He He's he start, he's looking, you know, he looks a lot better than he did at the beginning of the season uh, when he was trying to play through injury. So, yeah. And uh, Miami this week, I think they took it was three out of five from Philly. Yeah, um, they, I think they, they played two more. They actually played two more games against Philly tomorrow, a doubleheader again. So, wow. Um, I didn't know that. Um, yeah, but a lot, of, I, a lot of their COVID postpones were against the Phillies. So what I did see though, is that Sixto had an amazing game. Once again, um, he could be making a run for the rookie of the year, the way he's pitched this year. Um, I think what he have, he had another seven innings of one run ball today, um, against the Phillies. And I think every start so far of his career, he's went at least five, um, and seven of in four uh, or three of his five starts, he's went seven. 
Yeah, um, Sixto Sanchez, I think, out of all the prospects and you know guys that have just recently come up and everything, I think Sixto Sanchez has the best chance to be a legit ace out of everybody. And, I mean, you look at him today, you face – the Mar the uh, the Phillies in a in a, a really a must win game for the Marlins and must win two games for the Marlins to you know try to make the playoffs and Sixto Sanchez seven innings one run um, his rate his his he did you know he wasn't perfect he had three walks and you know just four strikeouts but this is a guy that you know between uh, throwing ninety nine a hundred and also having a really good changeup a good slider. This is a guy that's got every everything. He's got a pretty good command of his pitches. He can lose it a little bit at times, but you know he's got at least he he can at least throw strikes. I mean, and when you throw ninety nine hundred and you've got good off speed and you throw strikes, I mean, you know you're looking at a legit potential ace. And I don't know, I really don't understand why he wasn't quite as why wasn't much higher on um, on you know, a lot of people's prospect boards because he's, he looks really good. And I saw, I don't know if you've seen, he has a, he has a 45 tattoo on his neck from, uh, for Pedro Martinez. And, um, I, I he, did uh, see that. <laughs> yeah. And he's, he's a guy that he reminds you a little bit of a young Pedro Martinez. He's, he's that kind well, of special. He's been, uh, mentored by Pedro a lot as well. Um, I remember when he got traded in the JT Romuto trade from the Phillies, actually. So this is kind of a full circle deal for him, his first start against the Phillies. Um, you know, Pedro was on MLB tonight when he, they were talking about that, and he said just how he mentors this guy and how he's yeah. going to be, you know, one of the studs in the league and that. And uh, so I, the connection really watched him uh, actually pitch. It really does remind you of a of Pedro, you know. If you just go back and watch highlights of Pedro, it's very, very similar uh, to what you're seeing from Sixto, and it's it's pretty fascinating. Oh yeah, and and you also you talk about that trade, and that could end up looking really, really bad because the Phillies are, you know, unless they make a pretty nice turnaround here, uh, you're looking at them having two seasons of JT Real Muto and and JT Real Muto going into free agency where he would likely. I, I don't think the Phillies are going to have the money to bring him back. And you're looking at two years of JT Real Muto in which the first year was a disastrous year where they didn't even make it 500. And then this year is a year that the Phillies are actually, um, I think that, you know, I think they'll probably make the postseason, but they also aren't very good. So um, I don't think they make it out of the first round. Hey, I don't know. In a three game series, though, if you could throw Nola and Zach Wheeler, I don't know. Those are, that's, that's, I, I understand that after that, but you only got to win two of those games. Yeah. So if so, you go in there and you have Nola and Wheeler. Um, yeah. Well, I'll rephrase. Game. I'll rephrase. The Phillies aren't a legit, aren't a legit uh, World Series contender, and the fact that you know if they finish third behind the Marlins in the division in a season with with that, the Phillies also once you get Wheeler or and you've seen that so many times this year. Once you get Wheeler or Nola out of the game. Their bullpen is just hor- horrible. They have a horrible bullpen. I mean, Brandon Workman's their best reliever. I mean, it, he's really struggled since coming over. Yeah, and he he struggled too. So I mean, and he's still their best reliever. I mean, their their bullpen is terrible. So uh, you know, you look at the Phillies, and you know, there's no David Robertson in their bullpen. Uh, there's no Sir Anthony Dominguez. There's no uh, a few of these guys that uh, there's no. Uh, well, I, I think that. Uh, uh, Hector Neris is still there, but he's been really bad this year. I mean, there's just nothing there. I mean, it's it's like you can get Zach Wheeler can pitch seven shutout innings, and then you know they could give up. They'll give up five runs in their last two. So um, the Phillies, you know, if they make the postseason, I mean, I really struggle seeing them win. And you know, especially against you know, if you look at who they would be playing. I mean, you're looking at either the Dodgers, who obviously are going to take out the Phillies in a three-game series. I mean, you're going to have to, if you're the Phillies, you're going to have to face Kershaw and Walker Bueller, possibly if he's back, which I, I would assume he would be since it's just blister issues. Yeah, um, but he, uh, even though he got put back on the I.L., he said that yeah, the, he doesn't want to do he doesn't want to do it. Uh, it was only the team doing it, kind of saving him from himself. It, yeah. And if it, it was the playoffs, he'd it be just pitching. Missed, it just missed one start. I mean, it's just a way to 
to if he's got some kind of blister issue there's no reason to push it when you've got such a big lead but i mean you're also looking at potentially facing the um you know either they would probably face either the the dodgers where they'd match up match up with kershaw and bueller um or and uh or the braves where the top of that rotation you'd be matching up with freed uh freed cole hamels ian anderson uh, or the Cubs, which you'll match up with you, Darvish, or uh, Kyle Hendricks. So, you know, it's or, one of those things where... Or know, ace it, Alec Mills. Yeah, a, a Alec Mills. I don't think Alec... I know Alec Mills, good for him on what he did today, but I don't know about Alec Mills being, that, <laughs> being able to uh, be in that postseason rotation. Or or if the Phillies were to, you know, over overtake the Marlins, then you have to pay, face the, the Padres. So... You know, and you'll have to face Clevenger, Lamette, and that lineup. So, I mean, I don't – the Phillies do have a couple of really good starting pitchers, but, you know, they're going to have to pitch nine innings, I mean, for them to win these games because they're also not – they're also facing teams that can limit runs, especially at the top of the rotation. And, you know, and the Phillies, after those first two, Zach Eflin's all right, but they're not really great. So um, – and this is a team that, you know – if their lineup really, their lineup's all right, but you know they're not a great offensive team either. So they're a good offensive team, but not great. They don't have an elite in their bullpen as bad as it is. I don't see the Phillies advancing very far. But um, but you talk about that trade. I mean, you talk about Sixto, and you talk about the you know what they gave up for 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 Real Muto and. That's, that trade could end up looking really, really bad really, really quickly if, if they don't make the postseason or advance out of the first round in a weird year where they have to have an expanded postseason to make it. Um, you know, that that trade starts to look really bad because the real deal, Sixto's the real deal, and he's going to haunt the Phillies for a long time. And, you know, if you, Real Muto leaves, that's, that's going to be tough for, for the Phillies to swallow that trade. Well, I mean, it all depends if they re-sign JT Abreu-Milto. Um, I believe it's this offseason, is it not? Yeah, he's a free agent at the um, end of this year. So, best catcher in baseball, though, when you you know when we looked at the trade, you kind of looked and was like, oh, I mean, Sixto's legit. Um, like you said, a lot of people were actually down on Sixto. Um, I don't know why. We were both pretty high on him, um, and he's proven us right. But I think it really just depends if they're able to sign him. You know, they you take the shot, especially after signing – or trading, or you know, siding for Harper, um, and having Hoskins, you you take the shot and you trade for the the best catcher in baseball, but you have to re-sign him. Uh, yeah. You have to be able to re-sign him. Yeah. Um, if you don't, then that's when this deal looks a, a lot lot worse. If you're able to re-sign him, you're still going to look back and be like, dang, we gave up this guy. Could have just got least... free agency this year too if that happens. Maybe, yeah. um, but. Anyways, let's go ahead and jump over to the NL Central now, where uh, the Chicago Cubs um, had a a really big deal happen today. Um, we joked yeah. around with Alec Mills, but uh, he threw uh, was it the sixteenth? No hitter. The sixteenth no hitter in Cubs history. Yeah, um, it was sixteenth no hitter in Cubs the, history. Obviously, the second no hitter in, in all of baseball for this year. Um, so good for uh, good for him. Uh, <laughs> You know, four strikeouts, three walks. Uh, you know, it's one of those um, no hitters where he wasn't. He was good. He was obviously good to get a no hitter, but um, maybe not the most dominant no hitter you've seen. But hey, it's a no hitter. And Alec Mills, who you know doesn't really appear to be a few. You know, the future of the Cubs pitching rotation or anything, even though he is still fairly young and hadn't been around a too, super long time. Um, he'll have his name in the record books forever. So good for him. That, that's that's very um, you know that's that's a that's a cool a cool moment for him. Um, and, yeah, he uh, off. Just looking at the, the the baseball savant page, he gave up 15 hard hit balls yeah. in this outing today. Um, with a couple of them, one of them had an expected batting average of 810, and another one with 690, and another one of 740. So yeah. the well, Cubs not, not just any. Good job of doing positioning. Oh, yeah. And I saw he only had five swinging strikes the entire game. So it's one of those that, you know, it's like he's, it's more in the Philip Humber, Dallas Braden cut than the, you know, than the Giolito from a few weeks ago cut. So um, where it's really not the most 
dominant outing, but it works out for him. Of course, those were that I mentioned were perfect games, so that's a little different. But, um, but yeah, I mean, good for him. Good for the Cubs. Uh, you know, they taking that four game lead now. Um, I still don't really believe in the Cubs in the postseason. Uh, Do Darvish is going to be really tough for a team to hit, but um, you know, I think that they're with their bullpen. I think you just have to wait out a guy like Darvish. Um, it's kind of the same similar situation to the Phillies, and I think the Phillies' offense might actually be a little bit better than the Cubs' offense. So, well, they need Chris Bryant back, like the real Chris Bryant. He yeah, playing, but they, they're still he's still battling that wrist injury. Um, they're giving him, you know, Chris, multiple days off in a row, and still trying to give him some uh, some Chris Bryant. Shots Chris Bryant's hurting hurting the Cubs more than he's helping them right now. It's really similar to last year's offseason where, you know, the Braves had Freddie Freeman in the lineup with that with that uh, elbow injury, and it was really hurting the Braves more to have him in the lineup than it would have been for him to sit. Um, it's the same thing with Chris Bryant right now for the Cubs. You, 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 you admire the fact that he's trying to play through it, play through injury and everything, but honestly, he's really hurting the team with the – with the quality of, of he's been able to put out on the field. So he, he really needs to either, either this, if this wrist injury is not the problem, then he needs to play better. If it is the problem, then it might be time for him to sit again. Cause um, you know, it's, it's, it's very, uh, you know, it's a very, um, very good thing for him to try to play through it. I think that's really cool. But at a certain point, if it's causing you to struggle as badly as he's struggling, that you're really just hurting the team right now. So, um, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully he'll be, hopefully his wrist isn't the problem and he starts to turn it around or hopefully if it is the problem, it gets better quickly. And, but they really need an, they don't, they need an MVP caliber player and not a 570 OPS caliber player that, you know, like Chris Bryant's playing right as right now. So uh, the Cubs need more though. They, they need Javi Baez to play well. That's kind of the key to that that franchise. When Javi Baez plays well, they're a World Series contender. When he plays like he is this year, they're not. I mean, and that's just kind of the the way that Javi Baez is. He he swings at everything, and if he when he's not, you know, hot, and when teams aren't are throwing in pretty decent pitches and aren't they aren't giving into him, he swings at everything. He doesn't ever work into good counts. So, um, you know he's going to have to adjust and you know, you would have thought he would have adjusted to the, you know, swinging at everything a while back, but he was able to have some success and he never adjusted that well to it. So um, that's, that's another thing that they'll need. If they need, if for the, for the Cubs to, to do anything in the postseason, they need Chris Bryant and Javier Baez to play better. And then, you know, whatever some of these other guys could give them, you know, that are, that have struggled a little bit like Wilson Contreras or somebody like that, you know, then, that would be good for them because, but with, with, there's really no excuse for them not to be a contender right now with Jason Hayward playing like he is and uh, Ian Happ playing like he has. If, although Ian Happ's struggled a little bit as of late. It seems like Ian Happ and uh, Jason Hayward have just taken the spots of Javi Baez and Chris Bryant. And then Chris Bryant and Javi Baez just decided to play like Ian Happ and Jason Hayward from the last couple seasons. Yeah, uh, I know they're not quite that bad, but still, it's yeah. the Cubs. Like you said, Javi Baez and Chris Bryant—they're two thirds of what that team needs to get that train rolling. Um, with yeah. with them and Anthony Rizzo, when they're all hitting, they're, the Cubs are hard to beat, even even with their lack of bullpen yeah. that they have. Um, but you know, if, with Darvish and Hendricks and if you can depends on which John Lester shows up. Um, if you get the John Lester that just showed up the past game, then you're looking really good. But, uh, um, you know, St. Louis, they're still trying to make up some of those games. I think they still got eight games or so that they have to make up from, um, their COVID postponements and stuff. Yeah. They got to play 20 games in the last two weeks to make it all the way up. And I would assume that they're going to do that because they really need to, with uh, where they are in the standings, I mean, they're 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 they've got 20 games. Uh, they're they're so close to, to first place, and they're currently a playoff team, so they'll have to play all 60 games. Yeah, and if you know Dakota Hudson's looked really good. Yeah. Um, Jack Flaherty, I think, is starting to round back into Jack Flaherty form. He, he's um, he's a little inconsistent, but he's, he's been decent. 
Yeah, which they really need him to be the Jack Flaherty we saw last year in the second half um, to be really good. Um, Goldschmidt's playing like an MVP talent that he's shown before, um, which is really good because, you know, his, I, last year he really just started with the six bad weeks to really start, and then he put up insane numbers, but the numbers at the end of the season didn't look hey. Yeah. Like didn't look like Paul Goldschmidt really type numbers. He was still he was still striking out a lot more than he did with the with the Diamondbacks last year. He he was it, his strikeout rate had spiked from the from when he was at his best with the Diamondbacks. And I haven't really looked too much into it, but I would assume that that's probably that number's probably come back down some this year. But, yeah, yeah, he's he's a uh, he's taking more pitches. Um. But it's weird. He's taking more pitches, but at the same time, he's swinging at a lot more first pitches. Yeah, he's, he's being um, more. He's, he's seeing the ball a little bit better. He's not being quite as impatient out of the zone. Right. So, it, it, Paul Goldschmidt is a type of guy who he can be the leading hitter on a World Series contending team, um, and the, the Cardinals really need him to be that way. With you know, they don't really have much great hitters around him. Um, Yachty's been Yachty. He's, he's an average MLB hitter. Um, Colton Wong, same thing. Yeah, um, DeYoung. Paul DeYoung is solid, but he's not great. Yeah. Um, Carpenter, which Mark Carpenter are you getting? Are you getting the guy who can hit 350 or the guy who is going to have 35 strikeouts and 35 at-bats? Yeah. You, you just really don't know with him. So, they really need Goldschmidt to be firing on all cylinders to make that thing work. Um, Milwaukee, um, you know, they just got no hit today. Um, you know, they're twenty and twenty-four. Lost two. Is it two out of three to the Cubs this weekend? Or did they so. get swept? They might have gotten swept, but I'm not hundred percent sure. Milwaukee. Milwaukee's problem is that they are not swinging the bats like they have in the past couple of years, and it starts with. You know, obviously Christian Yelich hasn't been as good. He's been fine th- this year, but he hadn't been quite yet been as good as he has been in the past. Um, and but I mean, if you look at their lineup, I mean, you're looking at like a, a seven. They don't have a single player in their lineup today, other than Jed Jerko, who I don't think has really played that much. That has an OPS over 800. Everyone else is below as below 800, and um, you know, it's it's cap it's Keston Hira and uh, it, you know it's, they shouldn't have traded Trent Grisham. I mean, they lost Grandal. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's going on with the Brewers. It's just not not great. So yeah, they really thought Omar DeVires would be something, and he yeah. he has not hit the way he hit last year. Yeah, um, and they're pitching just really disappointing. Yeah, uh, you know, it, it's even more disappointing to see Cincinnati still down here, six and a half games back. Yeah. Um, Cincinnati if, just lost Sonny Gray today. Um, they put him on the IL with a back strain. Uh, if we had know. a if we had a 162 game season, I'd still be picking the Reds to make the playoffs in that division, but we don't. So definitely. Um, and, and Pittsburgh just down there at the bottom, yeah, like they've Pittsburgh been the entire season. Really looking like the number one pick. So. Um, jumping over to the finishing up with the NL West, um, the Dodgers have been six and four this week. Um, we talked about their collapse last night to the Astros. Um, they lost Dustin May this week. He got hit with a line drive and on the foot. Um, Walker Buehler, like we said, went back on the IL with a blister issue. Sounds like May should be back um, probably Wednesday or Thursday. Um, Buehler should be back when he's his, he's ready to come off the IL um, as soon as his date allows him to come off. They're just being super protective with him. You know, but they they got to step it up a little bit more. I, I we've had a running joke with all of our group chats that I've been messing around saying the Dodgers have been trash and stuff. And every time I say that, they win. It's, it's been pretty funny. But you know, we all we've been talking about how the Dodgers have this lead. The Dodgers have this lead. Well, if you look at it now, they only have a two and a half game lead over San Diego. That's only the second. That's the second smallest lead in the majors right now. Um, San Diego's been eight and two over their last 10 and they got a big series coming up with the Dodgers this week. Um, I want to say it's a three game series, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, maybe, or Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, but it's going to be a big series where, you know, either way 
that's going to really separate who's going to win this division and who's not, Um, you know, but it's time for the Dodgers to really step it up. You know, they've, they've fallen off a little bit recently and the Padres have gone on a hot streak and ever since they made those trades at the deadline and, and they're looking like a real, real, real scary contender. Yeah. The the Padres have some good pieces and Clevenger's pitched well since he got there. Austin Nola's played pretty well. Um, but hey, the, the surprise team for me in that division is, I mean, I'm not surprised at all the Dodgers in first place. The Padres, their record may be a little bit surprising, but I mean, I, I think a lot of people expected them to have a have that uh, have that potential to take a step forward this year. But hey, the Giants at 23 and 23 are currently the eighth seed in the playoffs, so um, and have a two-game lead for that spot over the Colorado Rockies. So good for the Giants. I mean, they... You could very well be talking about a three-game series between the Giants and the Dodgers in the first round. So, and if there's one team I do not want the Dodgers to face in the first round, it's the Giants. Because yeah. no matter how bad the San Francisco Giants are, they play. play the, they play the Los Angeles Dodgers like it is Game Seven of the World Series yeah. every single time. So, um, um, bitter hey, rivals. Don't hey, can't stand them. You never know. It's an even year. So. Oh, don't even get me started on that. They've lost one Gardner. <laughs> I know, uh, so. Well, that pretty much wraps up our standings recap. Um, let's go ahead and hit on this Matt Chapman um, yeah. out for the season. Um, torn right hip labrum. Uh, I want to say it happened this last, what was it, Monday, I think it was? It was maybe, it might have been after that. I, I'm not really sure. Um, it was a day game. I remember watching, um, there was a live look in, it was ground ball. Um, you know, kind of towards the shortstop area, but they were shifted a little bit, and Chapman makes the run over there and gets it like Matt Chapman should. Um, best fielder in baseball, I will say that, yes, over Nolan Arenado, I believe so. Um, and he just comes up limp and starts, you know, grabbing his hip. It looked like a routine ball, still got the out and everything, and he just was grimacing a little bit, grabbed his hip, um, immediately came out of the game, and then it came out today that he's – it was out of nowhere, really. You know, they just said, like, nobody really knew what it was, just something with the hip, something with the hip. It was still bothering him. Um, and I guess they got the MRIs back today. Um, and it just came out of the blue that he was out for the season and having season-ending surgery um, tomorrow. Yeah, that's that's very unfortunate. You're talking about a guy who's a very well-rounded player. I mean, it, especially defensively, like you were saying. I mean, just those last two seasons – you know, really his last three, his last three seasons, 2017 and only 84 games put up three wins above replacement. But his last two seasons, I mean, probably 2018, a 138 WRC plus and a 6.6 wins above replacement. That's a, that's a borderline MVP level um, uh, of, uh, of productivity there. And then last year, um, you know, he had a much lower batting average on balls in play and still put up a really nice season. Uh, it's a guy who hits the ball hard. This year, his strikeout rate spiked a lot. Uh, of course, it's only 37 games this year, so I wouldn't look too much into that. Some of these strikeout rates spiking, you know, sometimes it's just a cold streak early in the season. Sometimes it's a little bit of luck. It's just a few bad strike three calls will change that a lot. But, um, but I mean, this guy still even – you know, this has probably been the worst year of his career and has put up 1.3 wins above replacement. Just a great defensive player. And you hate to see him get hurt, especially a guy who is a great defensive player, uh, you know, having a, le- a leg injury or something that you hope he, you hope he fully recovers from that next year, which I would assume he would. But um, sometimes with you, when you get those defensive first players like, like that, sometimes, you know, they start to have some injuries and their body just doesn't quite do as well in the field as it, as it, as it had at one point. So hopefully we see him back to being Matt Chapman next year. Um, it's a big blow for the A's. Yeah. I was going to say as big of a blow as it might be to Matt Chapman, this is a massive blow to the Oakland A's Mm -hmm. chances this year. Um, you know, like we said, it was his worst offensive season or worst year altogether in the majors. And yet he, I would still say he's probably the best player on the A's. Um, and he was leading them to, you know, a top of the division, yeah, um, a division winning team most likely, yeah. uh, and and for them to lose him yeah. this close to the playoffs after the trade deadline where they can't really do anything, just gonna have to fill in. Um, you know, good thing they did trade for Tommy Listella now. Who? Oh yeah, I mean that's that, looking that's huge a, now. That's looking pretty big. You can put him over there, and you can still get Tony Kemp in the lineup. 
Um, but this is a that's a big big deal. Where it's going to be fascinating to see how the Oakland A's uh, really recover around this and and see what they can do lineup wise and and how the production will uh, will handle with Matt Chapman being out of that lineup. Yeah. So uh, that sucks. I hated to see that today. So yeah. Well, staying in that division, um, we talked about Albert Pujols hitting a, a milestone home run today. He hit his 660th home run, which now now ties him with Willie Mays for fifth place on the all-time home run uh, home run record list. Hey, that, that's that's incredible and good for Albert Pujols. Um, I'd, I I'm interested to think maybe this is something we could talk about in the in a future episode, you uh, maybe over the off season. And I, I'm interested to see how far he can get on that list because this is a guy that he's so old, but he. You know he's still got just a little bit of, you know he's still got some power left. I mean you can, he can still hit the ball pretty hard. I mean it, it, it's just interesting. It'd be interesting to see how far. And, and obviously I think he goes as far as the teams are willing to sign him because, you know I think after next year he's not going to be on the Angels anymore. Um, so maybe he can get to maybe he can hit you know fifteen to twenty next year and get him up to three seventy five. 380 and then you see if a team takes a chance on uh, uh, maybe a rebuilding team brings him in as a veteran player see if he can maybe get 700 but it'll be interesting to see what happens with him and i think he's a guy who could hit 15 and 20 just falling out of bed um he's not gonna be like nelson cruz still being able to hit 40 um but he it's a good story uh and, and it really is this is one thing that i've been um i've been really trying to be on the lookout for this year is this season hurts a lot of these guys. Oh yeah, for um, sure. This the shortened sixty game season yep. because where Pulhos might be able to hit, you know, twenty, maybe even twenty five in a really good season, he's going to be lucky to scratch ten this year. Yeah, um, he's I, only I'm hit four, sure. I think. Yeah, that's what I say. So he's not even going to hit. You know, he might not even hit five or six. Yeah, you know, it's this this season is really going to go yeah. down. We have to, this, this is a season like- that's going to impact all records list yep. for many years down the road. You yeah, know, if it, we're looking it, at a list later down the road and saying, did Mike Trout get 3000 hits or did Mike Trout hit so many home runs or, you know, you're Clayton Kershaw. Did he get how many strikeouts, um, you know, or whatever it's, you're going to look back at this season and yeah. be like, man, they lost a hundred games right there. That could really, well, you, you, you that, that is true. But in, in the same, the same thing, um, you know, sometimes it helps a guy like, 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 like we were talking about Kershaw, you know, he looks healthier at this point in the season than he has in a long time. Kershaw could be poised for a bigger year next year than he would have had if he had pitched all year this year. Uh, you know, some of these veteran players, especially guys who have had some nagging injuries, you know, this could really have helped them in, in, in some ways where, you know, maybe Kershaw, the way that he's pitched the past couple of years, his velocity's dropped the past few years and stuff. Maybe, you know, his velocity seems to have come back some this year. Maybe with all that extra rest this year, next year he can have 250 strikeouts instead of 200, where it really doesn't affect it too, too awfully much. Um, maybe Pujols, you know, maybe the, having this extra rest will, you know, help him, you know, have a couple more years in the tank where he can hit 15 home runs or, or something. It's one of those things where, yeah, it definitely hurts. It hurts a guy like Pujols for sure, who doesn't have very long left. Pujols, this whole thing is probably running out his contract. It, whenever his contract runs out, it's going to be really tough for him to find a place to play. Uh, Miguel Cabrera is another guy. He's close to 500 home runs, and he'll he will probably get there. But Miguel Cabrera's, you know, this hurts him a lot. His ability to chase down 500 home runs or, or you know and, and move up on the list there's a lot of guys that are right around 500 too so you know if he could get to 520 home runs that's a he passes four or five more you know mel ott uh mickey mantle and you know you look at uh you know a few of the more recent uh guys on the home runs list so um that that really is um you know uh, Eddie Matthews that that's really a, a bummer for for Pujols and for Miguel Cabrera so um you know hopefully some of these guys that are still fairly young like like Kershaw is what thirty three I mean he's not yeah that old like he he's he's not young anymore but he's you know you see pitchers at his that are his caliber pitch pretty well till they're thirty seven thirty eight I mean um. Kershaw still probably got four or five years left of at least being a a, a good major league pitcher. I, I don't know about being an, an ace. I don't know about being, 
you know, the 300 strikeout Kershaw. Um, the, but he's still got three or four pretty good years left, I'm sure. So, uh, but you look at a guy like Pujols, what, 43, 42 years old. Uh, he's just doesn't, I just don't know if he has much left in the tank as it is. And, yeah, it's uh, going to be something fascinating to really see how, how it, uh, over these develops out of these next couple years. For sure, for sure. Uh, well, let's go ahead and uh, jump to our players of the week and wrap this episode up. Um, for my hitter of the week, I'm going with Detroit Tigers uh, third baseman, Timer Candelario. Um, eight games this week, 31 plate appearances. He's hit three home runs, drove it in 10, um, scored eight, hitting 444. Um, with a 0.7 war this week, um, getting on base almost 52% of the time. Um, you know, his walk rate's about 13%, struck out about 16% this week, which is about major league average. Um, it's just a really good week for uh, for a guy who's he, – he's a very streaky hitter. He gets on these where he, he hits really, really good, and then he looks like he's a, a double-A player playing in, in the majors, but – it's a really good week for Heimer Candelario and uh, yep. just an under-the-radar name that I wanted to throw out there. And talking about Heimer Candelario, too, um, that, that that could go down as a really, really, really poor trade. The Cubs traded Heimer Candelario and Isaac Paredes. Is that how you say it? Uh, okay. They traded, yeah, Paredes. They traded them for Justin Wilson and Alex Avila. So um, back in 2016, I believe, or t- 2017, I think. Uh, that is a uh, that is a not good trade at all, and because Justin Wilson wasn't very good, he didn't play there anymore. And Alex Avila, I don't think was very good, and he doesn't play there anymore. So it was definitely 2017 because they still had Miguel Montero as their second catcher in 2016. So um, come to think of it, but uh, that could and, and Hammer Candelario has shown potential in the big leagues. He, he's he hasn't been great. He, he's been a little inconsistent, but I mean he has weeks like this where he, he looks really good. So. Yeah, and he, he's he's still twenty six. Um, he's going to yeah. turn twenty seven pretty soon, but still a young beast that you know, like we said, he he's shown promise. He just needs to get consistent with it. Yep, um, absolutely. So, who do you got for your hitter of the week? My, my hitter is going to be Freddie Freeman. Um, you know, you look for some. Sometimes a guy that's as consistent as Freddie Freeman is, it takes some time to. You know, you have to find a time to highlight him as being what he is. This week, he has uh, hit 414 with 514 on base percentage and a 931 slugging percentage to go along with a 260 WRC plus. Um, he's only struck out 8% of the time this week and uh, has walked 14%. Um, and you look at it, this as being a guy, he's, he's hitting the ball really hard this year, 94.5 exit velocity this week. And, and when it comes to Freddie Freeman, I want to talk about what he's done over the season too. Um, today he went one for three with two walks and a double. He, and he actually stole his first base of the season today, but Freddie Freeman has cut his strikeout rate down 5% this year. Um, and he's hitting 339 with a 459 on base and a 625 slugging percentage this season. More walks than strikeouts. Um, he's only struck out 28 times at 205 plate appearances. Um, this is a guy that he's he's Mr. Consistency, and he has been for a long time. But sometimes it's you just have to highlight somebody like that. And it's, he's put up also this week has put up the or this year has put up the highest exit velocity of his career while cutting his strikeout rate by 5%. All of this after having a really, really bad uh, case of COVID right before the season started and and struggling for the first week or two. This guy has been impossibly good this year for for what he's had to deal with, so good for him. Yeah, it's it's a – like you said, Freddie Freeman is so consistent that he's a guy who usually probably wouldn't make a player of the week list um, just because he's he's just so under the radar and consistent, but – He's a very, very good player in, the, in uh, baseball. I would say he's probably a top 20 player in baseball, and, and most people wouldn't put him he, up just quite that high. I think he's every bit of top 20, and I think he's top 15. I mean, he, he's a guy that, I mean, you look at his hitting stats, and I mean, he's put up a 176 WRC plus this year, and this is a guy that over the past, you look at it, just his consistency. I mean, over the past several years, you know, he's not quite Mike Trout because of position, but 
you know, he's not quite like that. But, I mean, he's put up last year four wins. The year before last, five five wins. The year before that, four wins. The year before that, six wins. I mean, this is a guy that has put up very, very good numbers. Um, he's been one of the best – one of the definitely the best first baseman in baseball um, over the past, you know, five, six, seven, eight years. I mean, even, you know, 2013, he put up a five-win season. So, uh, it's a very good player, and uh, I don't think he gets enough credit for how good he is. So, well, like you say, he he's very consistent, so he doesn't get the the flashy, you know, the flashy flashy numbers, but he's always a guy who will give you a, a consistent stat line every single year, and and most people don't value that the same. You know, they they like yeah. the guys who who go out and hit a fifty home runs one season, yeah. and 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 Freddie Freeman's just he, he's yeah. not that, but he's somebody who you can pencil in his stats every single year. Yeah. For sure. Uh, well, who's your who's your pitcher this week? Uh, I want to give an honorable mention before I do my real pitcher. Yeah, go um, ahead. I I every every I feel like every week we can mention Trevor Bauer, um, but I just wanted to say him again because his start against the Cubs this week, um, seven and two thirds, three hits, ten strikeouts. Um, I think he's pretty much solidified himself as a the the NL Cy Young favorite. Um, he's got a 174 ERA this year with a whip under 0.8. You know, it's 0.79 now. Mm-hmm. Um, his win-loss record doesn't look great, but that's just because he plays on the Reds. Um, and the win-loss is a stupid stat anyway. Right. But tra- Trevor Bauer is – I think he's your, your Cy Young um, going in. So I just wanted to mention him because that, that was a fantastic start. Yep. But my real start starter of the week is a guy who – being on the Padres, um, he flies really under the radar behind, you know, now Clevenger um, and Paddock as well. But he, he might be their best starter. Um, and that's Denelson Lamette. Um, this week he faced the Colorado Rockies. Uh, he did give up six hits, but he struck out 11. Um, no walks, no earned runs. You know, he's got a 2-2-4 ERA this year, um, a .92 whip, which whip is your walks and hits per innings pitched. So pretty much – Per innings pitched, he's given up under one hit or one walk per that. Um, you know, he's a guy who he can have games where he gives up three, four runs, but he doesn't have those big blow up games really. Um, and, and I know facing him, his slider is nasty. It's very disgusting. Um, and like I said, I he might be the best starting pitcher that the San Diego Padres have. Yeah, I, I, I think he. It, obviously, I think it depends a little bit on Clevenger, but I mean they have two really good ones, and and Lemet's really good. So I, I, you know, I like that. I like that pick a lot. Um, I think um, my pitcher this week was uh, Corbin Burns, but I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna shout out someone else as well. Um, I, I'm gonna shout out Brandon Woodruff to go with Corbin Burns. Obviously, same team, kind of the same situation you're just talking about with Lemet and Clevenger, but. Brandon Woodruff's pitched really well, and, and Corbin Burns. The Woodruff was good last year. Corbin Burns is um, putting up some really good numbers this year. Um, he in this week was phenomenal. Um, this is a former uh, former top prospect um, who really hadn't put up that that nice of a stat line before, um, but he gave up a lot of he, he got he was pretty unlucky on home runs, you know, last year. Um, his first year in the big leagues in 2018, pitching only 40 innings was pretty good, but he has really put taken a step forward this year. Um, in fact, he has been one of the best pitchers in baseball, for that matter. Um, the 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 pot the, the the Brewers needed a second guy because their rotation has been so hit or miss the last several years. They've had guys like they've had Woodruff pitch well a couple times. They've had, but. Um, Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta, or they had that year that Ulysses Chassin pitched really well, but they really need a couple of these guys that are going to be long-term talented starters. And Corbin Burns is a guy that um, could very well be that. He's put up this year or this week. He had a seven-inning start uh, with, uh, believe, um, believe that's uh, twelve or twelve strikeouts, thirteen strikeouts um, to go along with a. Um, to, you know, didn't give up a run, no walks uh, in that start as well. Um, you know, just doesn't get hit very hard. Um, and the same thing to go along with Brandon Woodruff, pretty much had the exact same start with one more strikeout, but he got he gave up a few more hits. So 
I mean, both of these guys are are very, very, uh, very, very solid looking starting pitchers, and um, you know that's that's gonna that's important for the Brewers going forward because they needed a couple young guys to turn into good starters, and uh, Corbin Burns looks just like the part right now, so good good for him. Uh, there's a bunch of guys we could have mentioned this week. I mean, you look at Dylan Bundy, you could have mentioned him yet again, another really good start. Um, Kyle Hendricks pitched two games really well this week. Um, Jacob Degrom could be—he's kind of like Trevor Bauer. You could pick him. You could have picked Jake. You could pick Jacob Degrom every single week for the last five years. But <laughs> this, but uh, but yeah, Brady Singer had had obviously had a really good week. Um, he he took a no hitter late to a game the other day. Um, and Alec Mills, you could have picked too. There was a lot of good pitchers. Oh, and Ian Anderson. Um, yeah. I think his I think his his bad start was he had a bad one bad start that I think was technically this week. But his start against the uh the Nationals the other day was phenomenal. I think it was yeah. yesterday. So. So um, since you you did Corbin Burns as your pitcher of the week, I wanted to just it's a little side note about Corbin Burns. Um. He actually was born in Bakersfield, which is where I'm from, um, and I faced him actually one time. Uh, I was a freshman in high school. He had just graduated in 2013, um, but was home for the summer um, and was doing, uh, you know, just throwing bullpens and stuff at his at the local college where he or high school he went to, um, and we happened to be facing um, Centennial's team as a you know summer ball kind of scrimmage type deal. Um, and Corbin Burns actually happened to come and pitch a couple innings in that. Um, struck me out on three straight pitches. Don't want to talk about <laughs> that exactly, but it, it's it's kind of cool to see a guy who's born in your hometown and that you actually got to face, even though you were completely unmatched. Um, <laughs> to say that to say that somebody in you know who's had very very good starts in the major leagues has uh, has struck you out on three straight pitches. So. Yeah, that's that's cool. So I didn't know uh, I I didn't know that until today. That's that's pretty cool. That uh, yeah. he's a good he's good. He's a really good pitcher. I, I think he's gonna. I think he's got a bright future. He's a, he's still young too. I think he's what he's uh looks like yeah, he's, he's uh 25. Yeah, I mean he's very you know still a young pitcher. I mean this twenty five. This is the time he needs to get it going. But he seems to have done just that. So yep. So, well, that will wrap it up for the Bathlet Podcast this week. Um, I think it was a really productive episode we had here. Uh, we will be back uh, next Sunday. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, and hopefully we will be uh, – hopefully we will be closer to the end of this season. Um, playoff battle should take a little bit more um, shape. should take shape a little bit more. We should have – hopefully we will uh, – we'll have a better picture of what the postseason will look like. And maybe we can do, you know, a little kind of early postseason breakdown. Or yeah, something. we can. Something to, something to think about. Yeah, and can keep on the lookout. You know, we might have a, a postseason preview podcast once the field is set fully. Um, I believe we got that this, I think we got two, exactly 14 days, right? It, it field sets, not this Sunday, but the next, right? Uh, I saw the last day like of the regular 16. season. Something like sixteen days. I think it might be with the COVID deal. It might get a they couple. Might have had a couple extra extra days to for makeup for, games. Yeah, for makeup games uh, or something. I think so. I saw Passon say that today. Um, but we'll figure that all out. Uh, yeah. We'll have more stuff for you. Uh, one thing I wanted to say um, is we appreciate you guys that have been tuning in and everything. Uh, we very much want your guys' feedback. And yes, your guys' absolutely. opinions on how we have been doing. Um, we've got some outside opinions from podcast reviewers and stuff, but we want to know what our listeners think um, and what our listeners like about our show and what they don't like, and uh, you know maybe something we can adjust on. Um, so you can either go to our Twitter if you guys have a Twitter at the Batflip Podcast um, or at mine, which is the Real Deep Boy Twelve. No, and what's I'm, yours, Matt? It, at at Matt Arcara. Um, so uh, you can go. Uh, Go find us on there and uh, give us some give us some feedback. We'd love you know reviews on uh, if you're listening to us on iTunes. We'd love to hear a, a review there. Um, you know if you can give us a if you if you enjoy the podcast, give us a, a like and a rating and uh, get, give us some feedback. We, we we'd love to improve and, and make our pro- podcast as good as it could possibly be. We're hoping to do some you know some pretty big things and um, definitely um, you know we're we're gonna be here every week over the off season as well. So um, after after the postseason ends and you know putting up some 
some fun uh, fun episodes and you know having a little bit little bit different type stuff obviously without baseball going on putting up a little bit of uh, you know, maybe some season team previews some you know lists of you know our top 10 players of each position stuff like that so you know we would love to have some feedback and you know what what everyone would like us to do here um so i think i can speak for both of us say we've enjoyed doing this so far so yeah i i've really enjoyed it um it's been a dream come true for both of us i believe um some that i've wanted to do for many years and i just never never found the motivation and the, and the right time to do it and it kind of just happened to all fall in line with belly up and we can't thank mike over there at belly up enough um he's been super supportive of us um you know bringing in the podcast reviewer and, and just giving us feedback every week um so we can't thank them enough um and you know like you said the off season maybe have a free agent uh prediction deal oh, I, yeah. I, I wanna i wanna look into something maybe where we can get the fans in as well to where you guys can put your own predictions and kind of compete with us um that'll be something fun if if i can get that all figured out on that end but it's been really fun so far we've kind of rambled on here at the end but thank you all for listening to this episode of the bat flip podcast and we will catch you guys next time yep see everybody next week